I want to tell you guys about the best part of Christmas. And I want you to take your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. You say, Isaiah, yeah, we're going all the way back. We're going back to the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. And I want you to look at chapter 9 and verse 6. Let me tell you guys, this, this season, when, when we get in here and we're talking about the birth of a Savior, we, we're talking about the greatest threat that Satan has ever faced. And you, you, we, we get upset, we get bent out of shape when we hear the stories of all the things that go on in our world about them rejecting Christmas in the world. Should we be surprised about that? Satan does not like the fact that we worship a risen Savior that is in the world, that came just as God has promised. And I want to take you all the way back to the Old Testament where this was introduced. And I know you guys are excited about our concert and our celebration, but I tell you what, I, I want us to get our minds right of what we're doing and why this is so important. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and verse 6, he said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Now listen, this is prophecy. This is what God's saying, hey, Seven, eight hundred years from this point forward, God's saying, this is what's going to happen. Let me tell you. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with a judgment and justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll be with me. Lord, as I share the most important message that we could ever hear on the face of the planet. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the gospel, Lord, that we will study today, Lord, will affect people's lives, open their eyes, and Lord, help them to see why you were born and what we need most of all in our lives. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the individuals that are sitting in the seats. And Lord, I know that there are so many things that will distract us in this world. And Lord, maybe we're thinking about the cookies that we have to make or the parties that we have to go or, or even the, the gifts that we can't even find in the stores. But Lord, help us to remember what this is all about. Lord, without you, we have no Christmas. Without you, we don't have life. Without you, Lord, we have no hope of the future. Without you, Lord, there is nothing in this world that gives us anything to hold us up. Lord, help us to get that. We pray this in your name. Amen. We went on this journey to Bethlehem, and I was just pointing out all these things that the Bible said, that the, God brought them on this journey. God was bringing them to this place. And then they get to that place. And the, and the Bible says that this description of this baby, and, and, and guys, if you look at it and just say, wow, a baby was born in a manger, you've got to understand what that baby was, who that baby was. Man, I started looking at this back in the book of Isaiah, and I thought, man, that, that's pretty cool. We, we know that his name is Jesus. That this description that we read in Isaiah is God laying out, let me tell you who Jesus is. I want, I want to tell you this morning who Jesus is. If these guys are going to get on the stage, and they're going to sing about, go tell it on the mountain, they're going to tell you about the gift of Jesus in a way in the manger, we need in our hearts to be able to be celebrating what this is truly about. We write in this passage this promise that was to come. In the names, every name, let me tell you guys, there's not a word you will read in the Bible that God says is not important. And in this passage, in this prophecy, this is what he said. His name shall be called Wonderful. 
wonderful. That word wonder comes from the word that it comes from the sense that means to be in awe, to stand in awe of what God is. He has realized that there is nothing. You can go out of this room and you can see the sunrise, the sunset. You can look at the mountains. You can do all these things. All those shepherds were out there on that side of that hill that day. They would see the stars in the heaven and everything. And God said, what I'm inviting you to experience will put you in awe. There is nothing that compares to the presence of our God. This world has a lot of cheap substitutes. A lot of things that they put into their life. The word wonderful means a miracle. It means marvelous. It means great. It means to be filled with wonder. The Bible says literally that in what we have with God, he is the greatest satisfaction. When they were inviting him to that manger, those shepherds to that manger, he was saying, let me tell you, there is no greater satisfaction. There is no greater happiness. There is no greater joy. I promise you can go out of here and find any drug, any alcohol, any, any sex, anything of this world, and it will never compare to what you have in Jesus. And a lot of people, when you don't celebrate, it means that you have not come into reality of who God is and what he's done in our lives. I stand in awe of the presence of my God. I stand in awe of what he did for me. I stand in awe in the fact that God has given me so much. His mercy never ends and his love is unconditional. His name shall be called wonderful. It means it's indescribable. It means that nobody on the face of the planet will ever know the greatness of our God until you experience the greatness of his wonder in our lives. His name shall be called wonderful. His name shall be called counselor. The word counsel means the one who guides, the one resolves, the one that gives purpose. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I am the way. You know what God was saying? He said, I am wonderful, but he said, let me take it a step further than that. In this world, that there's going to be a lot of people that are lost. A lot of people that are going to try a lot of things and go in a lot of different ways. Even in the book of Isaiah, look, look up just a little bit. Uh, verse 2 of chapter 9. Going up to this prophecy, he said, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them that the, hath the light shined. You know, there's a reason that we tell people that people are lost in this world. Without Jesus, I'm going to just lay it on the line, and I, I, I appreciate everyone that's here today, but let me tell you this. Without Jesus, you are lost in this world. You say, I, I can't get happy, and I can't find happiness, and I, I can't figure this out. I don't know how to be happy. God said, you will never experience anything of guidance in this world without the counselor. He is wonderful. He is the counselor. He is the one that guides us in the darkness. He is the only way. You say, man, I want to get my life on track. I need to get back in church. You can't get your life on track without Jesus. I'm glad you're here. But what you need in this place is Jesus. I'm glad the Ball Brothers are here. And I'm glad we're singing. And I'm glad we have a great church. But I tell you, what you need more than anything is the counsel in your life. Because he's the only one that can guide you to peace. His name is Wonderful. Let me tell you, my Jesus' name is Wonderful. It's Counselor. But he goes to this next level. And it's almost climatic. It, it's almost like it keeps getting better and better. You can imagine, as the prophet Isaiah, he said, man, he, he, my, my, my God is marvelous. Man, I, I'd not be where I'm at without the, without the counselor. And then he goes into the mighty God. See, the thing is, over the ages, there have been a lot of false gods. There's a lot of false religions. There's a lot of people thinking that they have, 
the, the right way. And man has worshipped rocks, and man has worshipped statues, and man has worshipped and followed man. But they come in here, and, and I'm going to explain the word mighty God here in a minute. But God is introduced as the mighty God. Before Jesus was ever born in a manger, he said, let me tell you, when that baby's born, Herod's going to try to outdo him. And he said, he's going to try to hunt him down. He said, he will fail. Satan, the God of this world, is going to try to take his life on the cross and and keep him in the grave. He's going to fail. He's going to come after every single one of you with things in your life to try to drag you to hell with the power of Jesus. He will fail. I don't just serve a God. I serve the God. I don't just have religion. I have the author of all religion. I have my God who is the mighty God. Nothing compares to our God. That word mighty, I looked it up. The word mighty means power. It means warrior. It means champion. It means the champion, the mighty warrior. It means that God has overcome. You sit there and say, well, I thought it was a baby in a manger. God says, no, that's a warrior that's going to save his people from their sins. It's not just a baby. He was wonderful. He's the counselor. He's the mighty God. He's not limited He's never lacks in resources. He's not worried about tomorrow. He's not intimidated by ISIS. He's not worried about our government. He's not worried about the problems that we face, everything. I'm telling you, the Jesus that we worship, he is the mighty God. It goes on. It keeps getting better. It goes on. You just say, we go through this verse, and it says, his name shall be called the everlasting father. Now, I, I love, it goes from the mighty God to the everlasting Father. Do you you guys get the relationship here? Because a lot of times when we talk about God, Creator, we we worship Him as Elohim, the one that creates, the one that has always been. In this passage right here, He says, let me tell you, He's not only that. When Mary picked Him up and held Him in His arms, He was God with us. You know why He's described as our Father? Because He wants a relationship with us. That which is wonderful that which guides, that which is mighty, wants you. I want, I want you guys to be honest this morning. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever had a loved one stick you in the back? Have you ever had some? I, I, I've had people, one of the deepest hurts that people deal with is a spouse that has turned their back on them or a father or a mother like this. Let me tell you, our everlasting father His promises never end. His faithfulness never wears out. His goodness to us never fades away. There's a reason why he's not just called Father. He's called the Everlasting Father. Because what he has given us, the relationship that we have, the presence that we have, he said it will never end. See, we're not just worshiping him on Christmas. And we're not just going to come back at Easter. We don't just do it during the week. You see, God said, I make you a promise that the relationship that I have with you when we get to heaven, it will never end. That's what we worship. And they end with this. He is the prince of peace. You see, peace means a place of safety or a place of rest. It's ironic the night that Jesus was born, the city was busy, full, and chaotic. I spoke at Young and Heart this past week, and I said, you think it was an accident that God chose to be born in the middle of craziness? They couldn't find a place to live. 
You had Mary and Joseph that were these young parents. They laid him in a manger because there was no place. They wrapped him up in rags and swaddling clothes. They were visited by shepherds that were nobodies. And all this you think was a coincidence? No, that was God saying, I know you're hurt. I'm going to be born in the middle of your hurt. I want to come to the middle of your mess. You sit there and say, I don't deserve God and my family's a mess. Am I this, my that? God said, I know what it is. That's why I came to it. Our God wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born into perfection. He wasn't born into riches. He was born into us. I'll tell you what, you're going to see a lot of mess over the next two weeks as you go home and you find out about a broken family member. Your your brother-in-law confesses that he's lost his job, or your sister pulls you in the room and say, I'm struggling with my marriage. Maybe a family member coming out and telling you that they were diagnosed with something. We're going to face a lot of mess, but remember that Jesus is in the middle of it all. Jesus is introduced at the end of it, and he said, let me tell you, that the God that you will worship at Christmas, he's not just peace, he's the Prince of Peace. Now I know when we say the Prince of Peace, we think of like royalty or something like that, but that word Prince means more than that. It means ruler of peace. Let me put it like this. The Prince of Peace means you can't have peace without him. He owns it, he's the author of it, and he's the giver of it. He said, my life is falling apart, I, 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 I'm so tore up. Pastor Tony, you don't know how I feel right now, you don't, you don't know the struggles that I have, you don't, you don't, let me tell you, I have nothing to give you that's going to change that, but I promise you the Prince of Peace is the answer to everything in your life. He goes in and he says, he is the Prince of Peace, he is the rest of he is the safety. He, he is all of these things. And the Bible says that he is all of these things to us. But verse 7 says, And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Guys, you realize that this was written seven, eight hundred years before Jesus was born in a manger. You know what God was saying by all that? God was saying, the promise that I make to you can never be shut down. It can never go away. His government, his authority, his power... The peace that God gives, there will never be an end to what God has given us through the manger and through the cross. Never. You sit there, and I know a lot of people right now are nervous about what's going on in our world. Can I tell you that our God is not nervous? He's not up there wringing his hands going, guys, what are we going to do? And oh, they have an election coming up. And oh, this could happen, this happened. And ISIS this, and people creeping into the country, and all this other stuff. God says, I'm not worried about it. I am the mighty God. There will be no end. We get in Isaiah the introduction to Jesus. I, I want to reread a verse with this in mind. And I, I want to take this from the introduction to the invitation. And I, I want you to turn now to the introduction literally in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. And I want you to see now what happened on this day. Everything that we laid out of who he is. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is our counselor. He is our guide. He, he is wonderful. We stand in awe of everything that God has done. And I, I could go around and have you guys testify about your salvation, about your life and everything. You're going to be like, man, I can't even put it into words. You know why? Because we stand in awe of our God. This is when it gets absolutely amazing. Luke 2, 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son, Put it like this, God kept his promise. 
What he predicted, that a babe would be born, God kept his promise. And they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And the, the, the very next verse, listen to this. God goes straight from the deliverer being born. Now, now you say, now what happened and what, what transpired after this? Listen, and don't, don't water this down of what God did through this. In verse 8, and there came in the country shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flock by night. You want to know what was on God's mind when the Savior was born? From the minute that baby cried for the first time, God said, guys, go. I, I, I want them to know. I want the world to know. I want them to know my son. The invitation began. Shepherds were nobodies. Because I know in our nativity sets, we've got on one side the wise men. And they brought riches. I mean, riches to the point where they were able to fund the ministry that they had. But on the other side of the, the, the manger, we have shepherds. Nobodies. Because let me tell you, shepherds didn't have education. Shepherds didn't have money. Shepherds were the smelly ones. Shepherds were the ones that were the outcasts. They, they were kind of like the low end of the economy when it came to jobs. And God said, I want them to know. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Now listen to this message. Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. You know what he's saying? Hey guys, I, I'm gonna, I've got some good news because you don't have to be afraid because I'm telling you about the counselor. I, I'm going to tell you about something wonderful. I'm, I'm going to tell you about the mighty God. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Aren't you glad that God does not play favorites with us. For unto you, shepherds, you guys that have nobody, you guys that are on the backside of the desert that you didn't even know anybody knew you were at, God said, hey, God told me to go to where you're at. See, the thing is, you don't have to be on a stage in a church and you don't have to be sitting in the, the seat of a church. God knows where you're at. You say, well, I just came today because I heard you were having this concert thing and all this other stuff. Let me tell you straight up, you're here today because God wanted you to be here today. You're here today because God said, I want them to know about my love. I want that there's families in here that have turmoil and confusion and frustration and, and, and they want to pull their hair out and they're miserable in life and they're saying, why can't I be happy? And God said, go tell them. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign, and you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. See, a Savior was introduced to him. A Savior is one that saves you from your problems. If you say, I can't get through my life, and I have no peace, and I can't overcome, and I can't, God says, I know, you're right, but that baby came to save you. I mean, I'm going to put this as simple as I can. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. I know there's a lot of stuff in this world that says other ways, but there is no other way that you can be saved or you will go to heaven or you have salvation or you can have peace or anything else. The Savior is the only way. So why are you saying it so blunt? Because we have this whole thing about, well, we have to be open to other religions. We have to, that, that, that's a lie. Because when Jesus said he's the only way, when he said he is the door, when he said he is life, when he says he is the only way and you take another way, you've gone the wrong way. That's why I tell you the truth. 
You, you can worship other gods, but those gods cannot give you what Jesus will give you. And this shall be a sign unto you. Verse 12 again. You shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes. Can I reword it? And I'm not trying to twist scripture, but can I just word it like this? And you shall find, this shall be a sign and you shall find the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace lying in a manger. Hey, shepherds, everything you need is laying in a manger. I'm going to make this really real to you. God did not make them go to the manger. He is a savior. Shepherd number one, I know your heart. It goes to each one of them. I I know how broken you are and I know all the things that you've tried, but let me tell you, that's the only way. God did not force them to go to the manger. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Verse 15, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go now unto Bethlehem and see the thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. God does not force us to accept him. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Well, let me finish the race. He said, man, that's horrible. Yes, Your debt, your sin will send us to hell. But the gift of God. Do you know the reason that God called salvation a gift? We have Christmas that we're about to celebrate on us uh, this coming weekend with you guys, everybody, just the world celebrating. We honor that gift by giving gifts to one another. I mean, that's, that's the symbolism. Man, for God so loved the world that he sacrificed of himself to give us what we couldn't pay for, when we could not do for ourselves. Jen and I have gone out of our way to try to plan out what we want to give our kids. We work, we plan, we give, we sacrifice, we pay for, we wrap up, and we sit there and we give it to our kids. I, I don't make them earn it because, to be honest, they could never earn what we have. It's not on their good deeds because I promise you my kids aren't perfect and your kids aren't perfect. I give to them what I've sacrificed to give to them because I love them. But there's another part of this that you need to understand. In order for my kids to receive it, they have to take it from me. This is the part where I think the world is really messed up on this. When the angels went over them and said, He is the counselor. He is the mighty God. He is salvation. He is a savior. God was giving him the invitation. Without accepting the invitation, you don't have what he is. Same, plain and simple as I can make it. You cannot have who he is without accepting who he is. And the Bible says that God invited nobodies into the present and the presence of the one that had everything. The wise men showed up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the shepherds showed up with nothing but themselves. Do you know what God wants from you this Christmas? You, just as you are. The Bible doesn't say that those shepherds went off to the side and they took a shower and they cleaned themselves up. They walked in there just like, we were, we were told by this angel host that the Son of God was born and they walked in, they fell down and worshipped Him and God was honored by that. 
I'd love to tell you today, because in our human thinking, it's like, go, you know, go clean up your act and go get that bad habit out of your life. And when you get that straightened up, and when you get through your divorce, and you get through this and everything, then you can come to God. No, here's the thing. You could never clean your act up good enough to merit to be in the presence of God. You could never do it. The angels were announced, God wants you to have everything, and he takes you just as you are. And they walked into the presence of the Savior. But listen, let me tell you how they left. Well, they, verse 16, and they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And verse 20, it says, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told to them. They left different than what they came. I'm going to tell you the best news that you'll ever hear in your life. Jesus Christ is your Savior. He died, rose again, and lives in heaven to give us the promise of salvation. The only way that you will ever have peace, joy, satisfaction, the only way that you will overcome is with the mighty God. The only way that you'll ever have peace is by the giver of peace. The, the, the only way that you will ever find your way in this word is through the counselor. And today, God has invited you into his presence. 